Before we jump into this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we share this conversation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sander. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're joined by Vanitha Ton, founder of Varanam Books. We chat with Vanitha about raising her children in a Singaporean, Tamil, German, Australian home, the challenges of passing language to the next generation, her experiences in an interracial marriage, as well as the mission of her organisation, Varanam Books. On a separate note, Stuck In Between is tapping into some new content streams. Head over to our Instagram to get involved. Now on to the episode. Vanitha, it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast tonight. Something that I've been thinking about more and more the later I get into my 20s and also seeing people around me who, like me, have grown up in the West but have South Asian roots starting their own families is how are we going to pass our culture on to the next generation, given that we aren't as knowledgeable about it compared to the Mm. people who told it to us. And we've got a diluted version of it. How are Mm -hmm. we going to preserve that, assuming that most of us aren't going to go back to our motherlands or ancestral motherlands to raise our families? So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you about how you're navigating that personally, Mm. but also the mission of your business and the books that you've created. We'd like to rewind and start at the beginning, though. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing. Hi, Sandan and Romy. Thanks for having me today. Um, so my upbringing, I am originally from Singapore. I was mm-hmm. born and brought up there. I have a really big family. So I grew up with a lot of uncles, aunties, cousins. Right. For the first five years of my life, I only spoke Tamil and then picked wow. up English at school. Yeah. And, you know, even though my great-grandparents came to Singapore, my family is still very much rooted in traditions and yeah. the culture. So, yeah, I did grow up with a very big backing of the Tamil culture. Yeah. And which part of the culture would you say your family instilled in you or passed on the most? I think there are so many yeah. facets to a culture, right? So I think it was a combination of things. Mm. Definitely festivals, a big thing. Deepavali is such a big thing there. It's a public holiday. The language is also very important in my family. We mainly only speak Tamil at home. The radio, Tamil radio is on 24-7. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all these different pieces of the puzzle that shaped me. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's like when you grow up, hearing the language it's so much easier to pick up on something that we'll come back to later in the episode is i moved out of home about a year and a half ago and i would only speak to my amama in tamil but living away from her now that i don't speak tamil at home i feel like i'm taking longer to think about what i need to say before i Uh, say it i'm stumbling across words and you kind of feel embarrassed as well (laughs) as you're talking about it yes i was a top student at school for Tamil. I used to win awards and I used to yeah. take part in all the competitions and inter school debates and all that stuff. But then after I came here, I just didn't practice it. I had no one to speak it with. Right. Yeah. And then after a few years, when I had to speak it again at the temple, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. No, I definitely know the feeling. Yeah. What yeah. brought you then from Singapore to Australia? How did you find your way here? So I did my 
bachelor's degree in Singapore, but then after a couple of years of working, I wanted to do my postgrad. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do that in Adelaide. That's why I moved first in 2006. And then my husband, who was then my partner at that time, he was living in New Zealand. And then he moved to Sydney in 2008 and I moved together with him after I finished my studies. Right. Yeah. And speaking of your husband, what background is he culturally? He's German. German. Okay, yeah, wow. So yeah. where and when did you meet him during this whole process? Yes, that was some time ago. <laughs> we met at a wedding, actually, at a temple wedding in Singapore. Wow. Oh, how yeah, good. Yeah. His friend married my friend and he oh. came to Singapore for the wedding and that's how I met him. Yeah. Wow, what a great story. And as someone who was brought up with Tamil having such a big influence in your life from a language and a cultural standpoint... How has then being in a biracial relationship impacted your relationship with your own culture? Mm. I definitely take my culture less for granted. Mm. You know what I mean? If I was in Singapore and I had married a Tamil person and I had this language and all this readily available to me, I would have not made a conscious effort to keep practicing it. But being removed from that and being here, and especially after my kids came along, I have to fight for it. Mm. Like I have to make a conscious effort to seek out opportunities to expose myself to the culture and people and also pass that on to my kids. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a really interesting point because I think sometimes people make an assumption that when two people date from the same culture, they're most inevitably going to pass on the culture to their kids. Yeah. But I don't think it's as simple as that. I think a lot of the time it comes down to who the people are individually and what they value. I know someone who has married an Anglo-Australian and she kind of shared a very similar experience to yours. And she feels that if she married someone who was also a Tamil Australian, both of them would have likely just lived their lives as they normally do without putting that effort to immerse themselves in the culture, do that depth of understanding. Yeah. The example that she shared was she was getting ready to go to a wedding or an event and she laid out a dress that she was going to wear while her Anglo husband was getting a kurta ready to put on. And <laughs> yeah. he kind of called her out and said, you know, like, why are you wearing Western clothes when we should oh, be wearing traditional so clothes cool. going to a traditional event? Yeah. And mm. she kind of reflected and she says, you know, he put so much more effort to understand my culture. And as a result, I'm connecting with it more. And I'm yeah. also understanding my knowledge gaps when he's asking me questions. I'm putting the effort mm. to learn about stuff myself as well. So yeah. even though naturally it is easier to connect and bond over culture if you do marry someone of the same background that's not always the case i think it comes down to the effort that people put in i think it really depends on the individual regardless of the ethnic background that's right i mean even a tamil could not be connected to tamil culture you know what i mean yeah so it really depends or they don't want to be part of it and that's fine because that's what makes them happy but there are different needs that people have and for me I have to be connected to my culture. Otherwise, it makes me a very sad person. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You almost don't appreciate it when you're surrounded by it a lot. And mm. that's all you know. And that's yes. your entire world. Yeah. But then when yeah. someone else steps in, whether it's a partner or even a friend that's of another culture, but is very curious about yours mm. and asks questions or starts to appreciate things, that's when you also go, oh, yeah, this is actually really great. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of good yeah. things about my culture. Yeah. And I think also when you think about mingling two cultures together in a household or if I mean I don't know how um, how much of a stronghold your husband's culture has on him in terms of his German heritage but you know when you do have two cultures where you're trying to figure out how you will kind of mesh that together 
and bring in the best of what you like with both. I think it also makes you start to think about what do I like most about my culture and what do I want to keep and also pass on moving forward as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Have you had anything, Romy, in your experience of mingling with non-South Asians where when they recognize it, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually something that I take for granted or something that I don't appreciate as much because you're so immersed in it. I think the big one for me is family, right? Like we have mm. such a big network of people that we refer to as auntie and uncle or anna and Aka who yeah. aren't biologically related to us, but they feel yeah. like family, which is something that I think I take for granted because not a lot of other cultures kind of have that same collective mindset. I agree. I think that's a good one because even when like, for example, I'm planning a wedding right now, right? And it's impossible to cut down on certain numbers because there are these pseudo aunties and uncles who I grew up with who were like my biological aunties and uncles, but really aren't. And so when I hear other cultures saying they were able to have like 30 people at their wedding, I'm like, that is actually not possible for me. I think food is another one. You don't really, Mm. like, it's so normal how tasty the food is that you get at home. I personally love South Asian food. And then your friends of other backgrounds come and eat it and they're like, this is like one of the best things I've ever had. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It really is. It's yeah. really delicious. But because you're surrounded by it so much yeah. with family, family, friends and stuff, just cooking all the time. Again, that's something that you don't appreciate so much. I guess sometimes it does take someone of a different background who has a different experience for you to appreciate yeah. what you have in yours. Yeah. yeah. Or if you move out of your comfort zone and go to a completely different new country. Yeah. Like that's what happened to me. I still remember the first Deepavali I was away from home, which was in Adelaide. It was a, such a non-event here at that time in 2006. Mm. It was even yeah. worse. My family called me from Singapore and everyone was like, happy Deepavali and passing the phone. And I was just there crying. Oh <laughs> it was, no. It was, yeah, it was terrible. Oh. I was so homesick. Yeah. yeah. How did you deal with that when you were feeling homesick? Luckily, I made some really good friends in Adelaide and that day we actually had a little gathering. So, you know, a couple of friends made curries and we tried to make something out of it. But you know what I mean? Like it's the first time away from home. I yeah. have gotten around to it now. I have made a community here. So I actually do celebrate it at home to make it special for my kids. Yeah. yeah. And for the first time last year, I did not feel homesick. Wow. On the, on that's deep awesome. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's awesome. That's really special. One thing that I do want to, Ashley, I'll get to yourself, Anita, in a second, yeah, but sure. I know, Sandin, you have a preference from our previous conversations to date someone who is Tamil or the preference would be a Tamil person. Is that something that you have a very strong preference for because it will help you keep the culture or is it more of a relatability thing? I'm curious to understand based on what you were saying before. Yeah, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule because I think Mm. there's a blanket assumption that if you marry Mm. someone who is of the same background, naturally it's going to be easier to pass on the culture and appreciate it and connect over it. But as we discussed, there's other people who might not have that same love or appreciation. So it's not like an assumed thing that will happen. And Mm -hmm. in your example, Vanitha, with your partner who's not South Asian and in the other examples that I shared as well, they put a lot more effort to understand it and they've been able to connect with the culture and you've been able to share that with them. So I think for me, being able to do that is more important than it definitely having to be 
someone of the same background as me. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I'm curious, Vanitha, as someone who, like we mentioned before, the Tamil culture was such a big part of your life. What was your preferences like in terms of having a partner? Did you say and think to yourself that you would end up with a Tamil guy when you were getting married? Was that a preference for you? And then when that yes. veered away, Absolutely. how did that... Yeah? I, I never planned to marry a white person. <laughs> I mean, what were the chances? I remember my uni friend told me when I told him that I was dating my husband, he was like, you said you were never going to date a white guy. <laughs> that you were, you were only going to wait a Tamil person and I was like I know she was, he, he was like how are you going to watch Tamil movies now I'm like subtitles <laughs> subtitles <laughs> and even my mom had you know her reservations yeah I wanted to ask how your parents reacted to that yeah not very well initially but then once they met him they were convinced that he's a good person and I think the most important thing is that you know for parents they'll be like I want to make sure he takes care of you even though I'm like, yeah. I can take care of myself, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting with parents because I think for them, a lot of the time, they can't envision themselves maybe with someone outside of their own culture because they were brought up in a world where it was very much people of their own backgrounds or languages or religion. Whereas mm. because we're brought up in such a melting pot of so many different cultures, for us, we are bound together by the commonality of also being Australian or American or like whatever yes. it is. So we still That's have right. that to relate to one another with. And so there are a lot of overlapping values which we have that's come from our other influence as well. Yeah. So we can see how we can, you know, maybe date someone who's outside of our culture. But for our parents who've just, like I said, been brought up with one type of people around them, it's probably very hard for them to grapple with that, did it take a lot of back and forth for you? Because I'm sure there's lots of listeners who are listening who might be in the same boat. Did it take a lot of convincing, a lot for them to finally say, okay, fine? I think my mom just had given up because I was already <laughs> above 30 at that time and yeah. she was like, just get married. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there were some issues that I had to convince my mom. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, after I finished my MBA and we moved to Sydney. She wasn't very happy. But then it was out of sight, out of mind. So she didn't have to explain right. to her relatives cohabitation. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we did get married soon after. But yeah, I did have an argument over the phone with her at that time. Yeah. About yeah. not getting married first. That's a whole other <laughs> kind of one. Yes, yes. We started our podcast around the experience of being stuck in between two cultures, right? Yes. We got South Asian and Australian, yeah. your kids have like a third dimension because they're Singaporean Tamil, German, growing up in Australia. Yeah. What mm. are the challenges that come with raising kids in a tri-racial home and wanting to pass on the culture from both worlds when you're so far removed from the environment? Yeah. So uh, I would say the biggest challenge is really the responsibility of passing on your culture and language to your child relies solely on you alone. Mm. I mean, I can't mm. share that with my husband because he has his own job to do. Yeah, I don't have my family here, so they can't shoulder that responsibility with me. Mm. So I have to actively seek out opportunities for my kids to experience Tamil culture and also create those opportunities for them. It is exhausting and sometimes quite overwhelming. Mm. 
Another big challenge, especially in terms of language, is that Australia actually has one of the highest attrition rates of native languages. It's actually really sad considering that there are over 400 languages in Australia at the moment, but immigrant children lose their mother tongue very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's also because the whole society, it's changing now, but it has been set up for monolinguals. Mm-hmm. This is in the education system, you know, even resources in the libraries and all that. It is changing now, but it will take a while before multilingualism is celebrated, you know. Mm. So sometimes it feels like an uphill battle yeah. Yeah. trying to pass on Tamil to my kids when we are surrounded by so much of English. And it's the same with the German as well. So it's all immigrant parents here having this issue. It's not just South Asian. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the two big challenges, I would say. Yeah, when I overhear older generations talking about their disappointment that people like us and younger have lost touch with their mother tongue, it's a really tricky one because I empathize with how sad that is, but I also struggle because I don't think they recognize how hard it is to maintain being in touch with your language when at school, at work, your environment with your friends, you're not using that mother tongue. Yeah. It's only in certain circumstances mm. where you're using it. So it yeah. makes it even harder and harder. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's a bit of a double-edged sword because you need to have the environments to speak the language, yeah. but you're not getting that, like you said. And also with bilingualism and multilingualism, research has shown that like, if you want a child to be fluent in the minority language, which in this case, Tamil and German, you need to expose them to it at least 20 hours a week. That's about three hours a day. That's Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. That is crazy. how long they spend at school talking in English and with exactly. their friends talking in English. How are you exactly. going to squeeze in three hours? Yeah. And if you have to do that yeah. for German and Tongue. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So we have yeah. tried to find ways to make this happen, but it's still um, a bit of a struggle, to be honest. Yeah. I think the other thing too is a lot of parents didn't really pass on the language or really focus on it a lot because they were so focused on just assimilating and just becoming ingrained within the culture of Australia, for example, where they've moved to, where they're already othered, they already feel different and maybe they faced racism or something and they don't want their kids to. So they tried to Keep yeah. them under the radar and just Australianize yeah. them as much as possible. Yeah. I, I have heard. I actually you know, see that. I'm my... sorry to interrupt, Marie, but yeah, I yeah. actually feel like it goes two ways, right? Because you can get those examples, but you can also get the examples of families who that's all they know, right? They're mm-hmm. assimilating to a new world, but they value and love their culture so much they want to hold on they to hold it. They hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. Like your yeah. example of you only knew how to speak in Tamil up until you were five when you started school, right? Yeah. You still see those examples as well. So yeah, I feel like for sure. It could go both ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was more so the circumstances you see where kids don't know their language. Sometimes it's parents just don't pass it on because of that situation. Like yeah. I was the same, right? Like we had to talk in Tamil when we were kids. Same. And it was mandated because otherwise, we would forget and I'm so grateful because I'm still relatively fluent that my parents actually did that to us aside from language though are there other parts of the culture that you're also focusing on passing to your kids that's super important to you oh yeah I mean we I cook quite a lot of summer Indian food at home and Mm -hmm. my son he loves to eat with his hands my husband had to get used to that but that's fine he understands that we are a different culture so there's the food and then we have our festivals and we have our attire. My son loves to wear his veshti for special occasions. My daughter yeah, loves that. our outfits. 
I'm just trying all avenues here. So we do go to Thomas School on Saturdays at Homebush. They've mm-hmm. been going for a few years now. And on Sunday, they have Mirdangam and Bharatanatyam class because I would yeah. love for them to get something from the culture. Even if they yeah. don't get the language, let them get some art form or something. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's all different pieces of the puzzle that passes on values and the culture to the yeah. kids. I think that's something that I'm realizing the older I get of how difficult it's going to be to pass on everything from what I've been mm. taught about our culture, right? So yeah. like you said, maybe it's not the full jigsaw puzzle, but it's pieces of the puzzle here and there yeah. and picking and choosing. Yeah. For example, language might be yeah. difficult, but music will be a little easier. Yes, yes. And then we watch Tamil movies together, whichever is kid appropriate. Although I have to say, we did watch Pony and Servant together. My kids are mad for it. (laughs) But but yeah, all that, they love it. You know, they want me to play those songs in the car as we're driving to Tamil school. And I'm just trying to give them as much exposure as possible to our culture, language and traditions. And then... I try to make an effort with their friends because we live in an area where there are hardly any Tamil people and it's very mm-hmm. white. They go to the German school, so they get German five days a week. So that's the understanding yeah. between my husband and I. We will support the kids to learn both languages and get both cultures. That. So yeah. if they're at German school five days a week, then at home they get Tamil. And then on the weekend, we do Tamil school and Tamil activities. Yeah. So I try to invite my children's friends over for Diwali or other festivals that we celebrate yeah, so great. that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they get exposed to it and they know that, hey, Johan and Mira celebrate Diwali. It's a festival of lights. And then they're excited about it and they don't alienate the children. Yeah. Think, because my son is quite brown, even though he's half German. Yeah. <laughs> he is the only brown kid in the village. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then. On racial harmony day, I try to I write to the teachers and say, "Can I come in and talk to the kids about some mm. aspect of Tamil culture?" These are all a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do it. I don't want to be driving to Homebush every weekend. It takes yeah. us an hour one way. Yeah. I've joked so many times with my husband, "We should just get an Airbnb or a weekender <laughs> in Homebush and just camp out there on the weekends." But. Yeah. It's great for them to go to Tamil school and meet other Tamil kids because they've mm. made some great friendships by now. Mm. That's the thing. I think sometimes as kids, when our parents are exposing us to so much, sometimes you're overwhelmed and you want to push it away or do what your friends mm. are doing as well. Yeah. But as adults, you appreciate and you value that so much and it goes such a long way. And sometimes yeah. you won't reap the rewards of everything that you're doing now until yeah. they are teenagers and adults. So I'm mm. sure everything that you are doing will pay off. Oh, thank you. I do remember speaking with my GP once and she's half Tamil and she also went to Homebush for Tamil school and, and I was really exhausted. And she said, you look really tired. I said, you know, our schedule is so packed on the weekends. We, we don't get to rest either. I'm sitting at Homebush for like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for my kids to finish and then we are off again on Sunday morning it's so tiring and she said let me tell you know what as an adult she used to go to Tamil school and learn Carnatic music as well her mom made mm-hmm. her do it and she was like as an adult the values that I reach out for is actually from those experiences yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so she was like so I'll 
you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing because your kids will appreciate it later sure. on. Yeah, because it's not just the actual art form they're learning, right? They're also learning the discipline and the Absolutely. commitment that comes yeah. with doing yeah. those and the respect. Art forms. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing too, which I'd love to get your thoughts on, is the culture is not just about these like extracurricular activities or the language, right? There's also values that come with it, which. We're in an interesting position, and Sam and I have talked about this before, where because we're exposed to so much, we can pick and choose what we like the most and yes. really yep. bring that into our own lives. And, you know, like when I have kids one day, I can kind of see which parts of it I want to pass on from a value standpoint. Did you get to a point where it allowed you to really evaluate, okay, I've got these biracial children and I'm bringing all of this to them which parts of the culture from a value standpoint do I actually want to pass on and which do I actually disagree with maybe that I don't want to actually pass on to them? Um, I think I haven't really looked at stuff that I disagree with at the moment because I'm just trying yeah. to see what they enjoy and yeah, getting them exposure to that. I mean, sometimes mm. they do complain about summer school, to be honest. Yeah, But we are trying other approaches like an online conversation class or something so then maybe we can do away with summer school at some point because i'll be honest sometimes i don't agree with the methodologies that yep, yep, used yep. because it's so different from the mainstream schools and how they teach but then the teachers are doing their best and the kids have learned over time mm. with the arts and stuff i think a lot of it like you said is learning through osmosis mm-hmm. they go there in the mornings they turn up in their uniforms. They have to have their hair in a certain way. All that teaches certain values and perseverance towards your art form mm. and respect towards your teacher, your guru, and which the Western mm-hmm. education is not very big on. So I'm yeah. really grateful that they get those values from our art forms and our culture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Going back to that anxiety that people who, like us, grew up in the West but are in touch with their culture and want to pass that on. One thing that we're lucky with is having people like you come up with businesses and ideas to help us preserve the culture and pass it on, Mm. but with a little bit of a modern or contemporary twist. Like you said, sometimes when you're taught it in the same ways that it was for older generations, it doesn't quite translate because we're living in a new world where education needs to be structured in a different way. Mm. All of these kind of puzzles and games and books and apps that will help us pass on the culture. Tell mm. us a little bit about the story behind Varanam Books and how you came up with the idea. So this was actually when my son was born. Again, I was trying to get family books for him because books are such an important tool for passing on language. Mm. And Everything that I found was really unappealing to little kids. Mm. The illustrations, the paper quality, there was not a single board book that was available for the zero to five age group in Tamil. Mm. I was quite disappointed. And then he wasn't interested in those Tamil books either. He kept reaching for the English ones. Mm. And then when my daughter was born three years later, nothing had changed. It was still same type of sad books. So mm. <laughs> at some point I thought, you know what, I'll just create them to help other Tamil parents and also for my kids. And that's how I got into publishing books. Right. It's and amazing. what does Varanam actually mean for our audience who might not know the language? Yeah, Varanam means elephant actually. 
Mm-hmm. Just a fancy way of saying I thought it sounded nicer. Yeah. And why did that mean so much to have that as a brand ambassador, I guess? Because I love elephants. And then mm-hmm. I think elephants have a huge significance in our culture. It yeah. amplifies wisdom. So that's why I chose Wadana. Yeah, it's so great because like Sam said, for people like us, I feel like these books and these kinds of products are so useful because I feel like I will half butcher me trying to teach Tamil to another generation. So having these books as a guide is so, so useful. What kinds of products have you produced so far though as part of the company? So I have published nine books so far and most of them are bought books and a number of them are interactive because we never had a touch and feel book in Tamil. We mm. never have lift the flap. And it's so fun for the kids to actually learn it that way. And yep. then I use really colorful illustrations to make it more engaging for the kids. Mm-hmm. And simple stories, you know, because most of the Tamil books, even for zero to five, is like a moral story. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They got every Very time. deep and yeah. like, yeah. Tamil, it completely washes over them you know like i think kids that age group especially need stories that are relatable like right. the spot books spot goes to the beach spot visits his yeah. grandparents. what a classic yeah <laughs> spot was amazing it's a classic it's been around for years yeah and the other one blues blues clues or something that was that also was around show. when we were wasn't there books about him i can't remember Anyway, I'm getting vivid flashbacks. I'm going to have to ask my mom if I actually had those books. How do you come up with those ideas? Is it inspiration of English books you've come across for kids? Do your kids say something and you go, oh, like this could be an interesting concept? So the first few were just alphabet books because I was so new to publishing. I had no idea. And also to start with alphabet is always a good idea. Mm. So I started with alphabet books and then... I did the colors, which is the touch and feel, because I really wanted to do a interactive book in Tamil. And then my next goal was to do a lift the flat book. I think my party reader book, I really wanted to do that because it's my story of me going to my grandma's house every weekend. Yeah. Oh. And I thought kids would be able to relate to that. And I really wanted to, something happened in the family at that time. So I just wanted to capture that, my childhood, which was a, such a joyful childhood. And my grandmother's house was so central to that happiness that mm. I wanted to yeah. document that in that book. So that was why I did that. But so many people reached out to me and said that they loved the book, even parents, because it brought back their own memories, yeah, childhood sure. memories when they went to the Amama's house. And, you know, mm. That's how that yeah. came about. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and it's one thing to, I guess, see these children's books at least when Romy and I were growing up, you would have seen more white faces on these books, right? But to see the diversity of people who look like you sharing yeah. children's stories about people who look like you has an extra layer of yeah. depth yeah. and connection that you wouldn't have with yeah. a standard book. I'm very strict about how the characters look like in my book. They have to be brown. Yeah. There were a couple of illustrators who made them really white and I'm like, no, it need to be more brown. Yeah. Because even in like my kids' alphabet books, like early on before I started producing books, there is Amma and then for Amma there was actually a white lady with a white baby and I'm like, wow. surely you could have even just taken a stock image of a Tamil mom. Right. Wow. Because, yes. So even in their Tamil books, it was a fairer person? Yeah, oh. it was a white lady with long hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was really special was someone from Malaysia bought my alphabet book and the 
kid was only two, so she couldn't read yet. But then when he opened the book and the first letter is A and is Amma, she saw the brown lady carrying a baby in her sari and she herself said Amma and pointed to the image. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So okay. she yeah. saw her mom in the book, yeah. which yeah. she obviously wouldn't have seen yeah. if it was a white lady, like you said. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, so that's cool. It sounds like you've got an alphabet book and then you've got a book about visiting your Amma when you were growing up. Yeah. Can you share a couple of other examples of what stories we can expect to find in your books? So two years ago, there was a book that was written by Abhi Krish that I published. It's called Irandame Pilikum. So it was, it looks at the anxiety a child has when a new sibling comes along. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I thought yeah. that was such a beautiful story. It needs to be colored. Something that's so relatable for kids. Yeah. It's so beautifully written. The mom kind of asks her to choose between her favorite bangles and anklets and She's like, I like both. Do you prefer chocolates or ice cream? I like both. So the mom will then eventually tell her that just like that, I love both you and Papa. You know, the kind of... That's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was a very beautiful book. And then last year I published, I wrote that one. It's called In Kudumbam, My Family. It just looks at different types of family units because Mm -hmm. I thought it was time. I didn't know if I was going, there was going to be backlash, but I thought it was time that a Tamil book for children looked at all types of family units because, again, in most traditional Tamil books, a family is always portrayed as Amma, Appa, and two kids is always one boy, one girl. Yep. Mm. So I think our stories maybe perhaps need to reflect more of what's happening sure. in current society. So mm. um, I had a rainbow family, so a gay couple, and a daughter. I had a separated family an adopted child. So it's just to create a bit of awareness, empathy. I think it is so important to see, right? Because as much as we speak about how much we need representation in what we see on screen, it's also important to instill those values and that understanding when you're young. And being able to see someone who looks like you or has a similar experience to you makes you feel so much more connected to the story and the language and yeah. how you see yourself in the world around you compared yeah. to when you just see the stock standard off-the-shelf version yeah. of what a family is, for example. Yeah. And I had included a mixed-race family, which was actually us, my family, <laughs> yeah. and my, my, my kids had no idea until yeah. the proof came along. And then my daughter was like, that photo looks like us when you had short hair and Papa was carrying me. And I'm like, that is us. Oh, yeah. so that, It's all about normalizing everything, really right? Yeah. 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 And if you look at like the demographic as well that you're catering to and maybe the types of parents that are coming up yeah. now and in the next few years, all of these different dynamics will pop up, right? Like yeah. this is our yeah. norm now as opposed to what it was before. So yeah. it just helps make that more normalized as we were saying Absolutely. before but also it'll reflect real families right yeah. it reflects real families now yeah, i think you've already sort of touched on this yeah. but if you were to kind of in a nutshell summarize what values you're hoping to instill as part of your series of books what would you say is your goal in terms of what you want the next generation to understand about our culture or the values i know that a part of the sales from your organization goes to Palmera and organizations mm-hmm. who are focused on working with underprivileged people from mm-hmm. our homeland to give them a better life. Obviously, you do have a bigger mission than just selling books with what you're trying to do here. Mm. Yes, I think I want to instill a pride of our culture and our kids, you know, because to be completely honest, 
growing up in Singapore, that was not an active thing that was done mm. when I was a child because we were minorities. We just keep our head low and don't rock the boat. You know, there were a yeah. lot of the mm. about my culture that even though I practiced it, I did not understand it. Mm. And I couldn't defend yeah. it with pride because yeah. when the kids at school made those mean comments, that we eat with our hands or, you know, that kind of stuff or the dot. Mm. I just was embarrassed and I just tried mm. to, mm. yeah. So I think the tables are turning. I can feel that, or from what I see, many Tamil parents now have a cultural pride within themselves and they want to pass that on to the kids. So I think we need to do that as a community and I would hope that Varnam would be able to do that through my books. Yeah. Also, you know, acceptance and understanding and inclusiveness. Like in my books, even those which are not storybooks, books like 100 Words or Opposites, I try to subtly include things that would make kids think. Like there is a page where the father's at the kitchen cooking while the mom is working on her laptop in the study. Um, mm-hmm. Just to show that, you know, yeah. both parents are capable of doing vice versa. And yep, then yep. in the 100 Words book in the park, there's a boy in a wheelchair and then there's a another kid with a skin condition and then I remember my daughter saw them she's like oh um I remember seeing someone like this and then we started talking about the skin condition oh, and yeah. amazing. so I mean I think these things subtly can help kids sure. and just be more yeah. aware and respectful towards people who are not like us mm. yeah and it sparks that conversation for a yeah. parent to mm. have with their child right because children Absolutely. are always curious about these things Absolutely. and you're given an opportunity to address something which if you don't then maybe they'll have a stigma or they'll pick up other people's values which might yeah. be different to what you would like them to familiarize themselves with mm. yeah. um, where can people buy these amazing books and what's your long-term vision for the organization are you going to release like a german language arm one day <laughs> That would be so no, cool. I don't think the Germans need any help from me. <laughs> Only the Tamil people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the books can be bought on my website. Mm-hmm. And um, the vision, to be honest, I really started this as a community project. Mm. So I'm not running it as a business. I can tell you that there's really no money involved in publishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because I want to give back to the community, like some of the sales you've mentioned that the proceeds goes to Palmyra. Mm. I just want to try and create as many Tamil books as possible and get them into our children's hands. But at the same time, my priority is my kids. So sometimes Varanam kind of drops down that priority ladder. So I will try to publish new books at a pace that Mm. works for me. I love that. When you approach something like this with, like you said, a community mission rather than a profit or financial mission Mm, then the impact is so much bigger and i think it probably feeds your soul so much more Mm, and it resonates with other people in a different way than it would otherwise we want to kind of wrap up with a question each from romy and i for you to maybe give a little bit of advice to any other parent out there who wants to pass on their culture to their children but is operating away from the motherland or someone maybe in a mixed race relationship who might be having those same kind of questions about how they're going to do it. So I guess my question to you would be, what do parents need to be actively conscious of and work on so their kids are able to pick up both cultures in your example without feeling overwhelmed or confused and having an identity crisis themselves? I think especially in a mixed heritage family, I think both 
cultures can coexist quite harmoniously if the couple actually have a mutual understanding and respect for each other's culture. So I drive the kids to the German school. My husband on the weekends sometimes drives them to dance and drumming, you know. It's a give and take. So I think that's very important to discuss beforehand when you have kids, how you actually want to raise them and have those aligned as a couple. In terms of culture and language, there are many pieces to the puzzle like we've been talking about. So pick what you want to pass on to your kids, what's important to you, and then work on those. If you feel that all of them are important, then just expose the children as much as possible to all the different aspects of the culture and do it since they're little. Mm-hmm. You know, get books or there's so many resources available nowadays that you can easily pass on the culture and language mm-hmm. to the children. Yeah, I love that. Um, language is a bit tricky, but there are... And also I think what COVID has taught us is that even if you are in the diaspora somewhere far away with none of these facilities and resources close by, I mean, we're very lucky in Sydney. Yes, I have to drive 45 minutes to Hombush, but yeah. it's there. Mm. I can bring them to dance class. I can bring them to Meditangam. But I know people who are in countries where they don't have access to these things. But with COVID, everything is now done online. I know girls who are here and learn Bharatanatyam from a teacher in Singapore over mm. Zoom. So there are so many resources available these days that it is possible. The parents have to make an active effort to pass on the culture, but it can be done. And I think from like a practical sense, though, for those of us who have grown up from, you know, our ancestral motherlands where maybe a lot of our family is and where a lot of those resources that we might have a direct relationship with sit. I know you mentioned there are a lot of resources, but there's obviously your books. There's people like the Heritage Supply Co that we mentioned. But are there any other groups or resources that you would point us to to kind of help foster that, whether it be culture or language or extracurricular activities or so on? Yeah, what do you lean on? Yeah, I actually buy books from Box. They are in U.S., and they only sell books that are written by South Asian authors. Oh, okay. And they have an amazing collection. I've bought books from them. Sometimes it talks about certain role models like Srinivasa Ramanujan, the, the great mathematician. You know, just to show our kids that, hey, you know, we also have amazing role models from yeah. our background yeah. who've done this. So Talker Box is a great example. There was another book from them that I bought, Why We Eat With Our Hands. Oh, nice. Mm. Yep. That yep. was amazing for the kids to read. Tamil with Love in Singapore, I've used a lot of her products. She has really fun stuff like Tamil Scrabble tiles, story cubes. You throw five cubes and then based on the pictures, you need to come up with a story. Mm-hmm. And she has flashcards and stuff, which I've used for my kids. And then there's also New Monsters. She's actually the lady who wrote my sibling's book, Abhi oh, Krish. Okay, yep. She's very talented and has come up with the bilingual nursery rhyme book. And she has a YouTube channel with lots of videos and songs and it's fantastic. These are the the resources that I usually use for my kids Mm. to help them. That's awesome. Like we said before, we're so lucky to have all of these resources. It's about tapping into them. Mm. I know Romy and I have both gifted a book that the Heritage Supply Co. or the Heritage Press released. And the feedback that I at least got, I'm not sure about you, Romy, is that it's such a small gesture of giving something from our culture to support a South Asian business, but also 
start a conversation and preserve it in this way versus gifting them something that might be mm. generic to any Australian. Yeah. I think it goes a really long way. Yeah. And I know my parents have gifted yeah. one of your books as well. Yeah. It's small things like this that really do add up. So really love what you're doing with your business and you sharing your experiences. I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening who can relate or would have learned a few things and be more mindful of how they can take those next steps where they feel like they should. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. On on a personal level, I feel like it's been so useful to hear your tips as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Make sure to check out Vanitha's incredible work with Varanam Books. Details in the show notes. Join us next time for our very special episode where we unpack all things siblings with Sandin's own brother. We'll see you then. Bye.